well, um, I'm, you know, I was thinking, I haven't preached here in three weeks, and I was wondering if I'd forgotten how to do it. And I was thinking, uh, I think I've preached at least a thousand messages. That's a lot. You know, you think you'd learn how to do something after you did it a thousand times, right? But I'm not sure I have. You know, it's like every time you, you really do really anything that you can't do, really that you really can't do, it's like you're starting over every time. That's the way it feels. Well, I think that's the way it should be. I think we all need to be in a place where we're doing stuff that we can't do. And because that means you're doing something by grace and a power that's outside of yourself. Amen? Amen. So I'm praying I have that grace and power. Because if I don't, it'll be worse on you than me. (laughs) Since I've done it a thousand times, I can convince myself. Well, I want to, first of all, I got two things I want to, you know, I've given me so much time and I don't really have that much time, so much stuff here. So I'll just try to make some stuff up as I go. Actually, every time I preach, I make up stuff as I go because it never goes the way I think, so I just sort of go with it the way it is. But first of all, I want to tell you a little testimony is something that I've noticed, and this is this happening in my life, and I, I hope it's happening in yours. It, it's a gift. And I've just noticed lately that God has really stirred in my, in my heart in a, in, a, in a new way. And I've just had this really hunger in my heart that I haven't had in a long time really to see the Lord really move uh, and it's just this desire that's just risen up uh, in me to see God move and see God touch people and see God do what he does and um, and I was thank I was really thankful for it and the Lord gave me this word he said he gave me this word the words uh, caveat caveat y'all know what that means it means let the person beware that's what it means I didn't know what it meant, let the person beware. And this is what he said to me. He's talking about the move of the Lord. It may not look like what you think. It may look completely different than what you expect and what you've experienced. And for you to really be able to receive this, your heart needs to be in a a place of real surrender. That's what he said to me. Your heart needs to be in a place of real surrender. Because surrender is really the, the thing that allows us to be able to receive from God. And, and so I know just from my own personal life uh, and uh, walking with the Lord over 40 years now uh, and seeing different moves of God uh, that I've seen God move begin and been in part of beginnings of moves of God and, and rejected it in my heart because... It, was, it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. It, wasn't, it didn't fit my mindset of how I thought God should be moving and what I thought was God. And I think that's just a normal human reaction many times. In fact, I would say probably the, the, the greatest move of God that I've seen in my uh, life as a believer was, was an offensive. It was offensive at, to me at first, very offensive. And... So I think when God begins to deal with your heart, you see, that's what God has been doing in my life. He's been dealing with me. I wanted to read this scripture uh, out of Psalm uh, 139. Uh, That psalm is called God's perfect knowledge of man. And this is the last two verses in it. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it's, it's really interesting if you went back and, and read the whole psalm, verse 1, David says, God, you, oh Lord, you have searched me. You have searched my heart. And then he goes on and lists all these beautiful things that God, you know, you created me in my mother's womb. Uh, you wrote a book about my life before I was ever formed. Uh, all these intimate details about God and how glorious God is and what and everything that God knows about each of us. And then at the end, he invites God to search his heart. Even though God had already searched, he was basically saying, God knows everything. God already knows your heart. He's already searched your heart. He's already created your heart. He did write a book about everybody in this room. God was the first and original writer. And he's written a book about everybody. And all our days have been written down in God's book. Yet David said at the end, it was an invitation to the Lord. Lord, search my heart and try my heart. Search my heart and try my heart. Two things. Search my heart so that I might know you. In other words, one of them had to do with a relationship with the Lord, and the other had to do with the things in us, the things that are in us that we may, may be aware of, that we may not be aware of, that create anxiety and create stress in our life, create fear in our life. Show me those things. Let those things be known to me so that, and, and, and lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me away from those things. Lead me away from things that are, that are hindering my life. Hindering my relationship with you, hindering, uh, you know, the when you do move, it hinders me from being able to receive all that you're doing in the earth. And so, I mean, that's what I've been experiencing, is I've been experiencing like God has shined a light down into my soul. He's shined a light down into my soul. I think I've shared some of this, and, and a lot of what I saw I wasn't real happy with. But he's also tried me. He's also allowed things to come into my life in the last few months that have, that have made me feel anxious, that have made me feel, feel stressful in my heart and, and made me be concerned and made me wonder and made me think about my future. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, and God has used those things to really help me, to help purge my heart. That's why I feel like I had this moment with the Lord where I discovered this freshness and this hunger in my heart because a lot of the things that were, the hunger was there. I believe the hunger is in all of us. I believe it's in every human being on the planet. There's a hunger for God. There's a desire for God. Yet things covered up. Anxious things covered up. Hurts covered up. And I, I had this one particular thing. It was, it's interesting how God is. Um, there's things about us that we don't realize that are going on with us. Okay, and I think we've all had to deal with forgiveness. If if you haven't, there's something you're in bad shape. <laughs> you're just not even alive. You're not breathing. <laughs> Somebody has wounded you. Somebody has hurt you. And uh, I, I've had a lot of times opportunities in my life. I thought, well, what is wrong with me? I'm having to forgive so many people, Lord. You know. Uh, I've had some opportunities really to go through some stuff relationally with people and have to learn how to forgive. I mean, learn how to really forgive. And, and like Joseph, you know, forgive for the rest of your life. You know what I'm talking about? You know, total forgiveness. You know, those are kind of challenging things. And you think you get over them, but 
you really don't ever get over them because there's always going to be opportunity uh, for you to be tried about that. And I had this one situation that happened to me and recently that hurt me. I was hurt more than I think I have been in 20 years, honestly. It was one of the most wounding moments of my life. It, it, just, it crushed me. If, if you could have saw my soul at that moment, it was probably hemorrhaging blood. And I, I just, you know, I, just, I was just stunned. It was the most hurtful thing. It may be one of the most, it's definitely in the top three most hurtful things that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And it was crazy. It, it, the whole thing was crazy the way it happened, when it happened, how it happened, how, you know, the person that came through, it was just such an inconvenient moment. You know, it's one thing when you're sitting in your home and you get hurt, you know, or sitting in an office somewhere. But it's another thing when you're standing and you're fixing to have to go help some people, minister to some people, and suddenly you get just blindsided by something that devastates your heart. And you're saying, I can't do this. And that was the state I was in, but I knew I couldn't just run away. You know, you want to run away. How many people love to run away? God, let me just run. That's what I want to do. I wanted to run. That's how I felt. Lord, I just want to run. And, well, I'm just sharing some things from my heart. This actually is not my message, okay? But I think it's important because I think it's important for the time we're in. I wanted to run, but I couldn't. I think God did, God did none of that, but he allowed it to happen, and he put me in a situation where I couldn't run and hide. He put me in a situation where I had to face it at that moment, and I had to keep going in that moment. And it was terrible. It was so terrible. And it took me, it took me a few weeks to get through it. It really did take me a few weeks. And I knew when I read that scripture, I knew that God had allowed a trying in my heart that, that was just almost beyond, beyond anything I'd ever felt. And somehow, by the grace of God, I was able to come. One, I was able to come to forgiveness. And, and really, I was able to come to that really fast. But the pain and the hurt, I couldn't come to it real fast. Because pain and hurt, it's like a physical wound, but it's, it's more of a, a, a wound of the soul, the wound of the heart, wound of the emotion. And they're just like our physical body. They need, unless God does an absolute miracle, which sometimes God not doing a miracle is His, his mercy in our life, is His grace to allow us to heal in a process. Because in that process, we can begin to know God and things can begin to happen in our life. Are y'all following this? And so I'm just telling you, that's what brought me to that moment with the Lord where I discovered it in me because I got through it. God got me through it. God healed me, and God made it right in my heart where, I could, where it wasn't going to be something that, where there would be a place where the enemy could get a foothold in me. It did take a few weeks, and it took a few conversations. Like, poor Becky, I wore her out over it. I mean, you know, a couple of times she thought I was mad at her, you know, because... Because I'm crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm crazy. But it, uh, I just really feel, and, and then um, I wanted to read this little thing here this morning because I felt, here's, here's the thing, I felt so dishonored. You would not believe how dishonored I felt at that moment. If you have ever been dishonored by somebody, and I know there's people in this room that have been seriously dishonored, it, it's just wrong. You know, when a person gets dishonored by another person. And I felt so dishonored in my heart. It was the most dishonoring thing ever in my life. And, and 
you know, like I say, the Lord got me through it. And But this morning when I, I got up, uh, you know, one of the lovely things about my life in the Lord is God, there's no secular and sacred in God's eyes. And He likes to talk to me through non-Christian things. And I was here. I started hearing this non-Christian song. I guess it's non-Christian, but and and this is the part that I heard. And you'll probably know about this song. I wouldn't dare sing it to you because you would hate me. <laughs> it says, "I am the man who will fight for your honor. I am the man who will fight for your honor. I'll be the hero you've been dreaming of. We'll live together." knowing together that we did it all for the glory of love. Isn't that powerful? We did it all for the glory of love. And you see, that's really, you know, the thing that God really wants to release to people is the glory of His love. And, that, and when you find yourself in those places where you feel so hurt and so beat and so defeated, and really, you know, when in the natural, people go into shock when they have some kind of physical trauma, their body will shut down on them to save their lives. Really, that's what shock is. And that's the way I was that day. I was spiritually in shock, literally. And, and God, But God was saying to me, and I think He's saying it to a lot of people this morning, I'll fight for your honor if you'll let me. I'll fight for your honor. I'll be the hero that you've dreamed of. And we'll do this thing together. And we'll live for eternity. And we'll do it for the glory of love. The glory of love, that's really, isn't that awesome? And so I know a lot of people have gone through rejection. I know a lot of people have gone through hurt and disappointment. I know people have been betrayed. And God really wants to heal people of all that. He wants to free you. That's what David was saying, was like, try me, Lord. Try me, Lord. And see if there's any anxious way in me, any fearful way, any hurt way, any wounded way. In me Now, I don't suggest you trying yourself. I don't suggest you searching yourself. But I'll tell you what, it's a good prayer to pray and see what God does. Because the end result is refreshing. The end result is there's a newness that can come in your life once you walk through this moment. Um, one of the things that I discovered in me was I, have a, I judge people a lot. I, I discovered, Lord, I... I'm judging people. I'm judging their motive. You know, you can judge what a person, the outward thing that's done, like somebody can do something, and you can judge it and say that's, that's not right, but you can't judge the person. You can't judge their, their motive of their heart because you don't know their heart. And so I asked the Lord to start, Lord, show me people that I've judged. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's like opening the floodgates of heaven. Like every day for a couple of weeks, people would come to my mind just randomly like, I know, I judged them too, Lord, I'm so sorry. But you see, that was a cleansing. That was removing those things out of me that can hinder me. Things that you're not even conscious of that can hinder you from what God wants to do in your life. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, worth, it's worth the moment because this is what I do believe. I believe... You know, God, over everybody in this room, God has made promises over your life. He has given you prophetic promises. He has spoken words over you. He's declared things over you, and you're waiting on it, and you're in the process. And part of the process, this is what the process, the process enables you to bear the fulfillment of the promise. 
Because God does not want to give you things that you can't bear that you would lose. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And so we love the promise, but we can't stand that middle ground in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And nobody loves to, to think about the, the, the process of what we had to walk through to, to, for God to give us what we really need to bear and carry everything that He has. Nobody wants that. Nobody cares about it, but it's critical in your life if you're going to see the fulfillment of your promises and dreams that God's placed in you. And submitting yourself to God giving you, uh, you know, allowing you to walk through this process. The worst thing that could ever happen to a person is for God to move in, 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 in a revival if that was their dream and, and powerfully move in their life. And they were not, really not ready for it. And it could, it could be actually destructive to them in the end. Are y'all okay? Y'all just sitting there looking at me badly. Badly, badly, badly. Yes, Lord. But I, yes, I think it's really the Lord, you know. I'm trusting God to fight for my honor. I'm not going to fight for my honor. That day when that happened to me, I decided just one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to fight for my honor over this. I was dishonored. I'm not fighting for it, Lord. You can either take care of that or it's not taken care of. I'll just live in this, I'll live in this dishonor. You know, I'll live in this thing that was put on me. And, uh, and the, Lord, the Lord's, well, for me, He's taking care of it. Inside of me, I'm, I'm taken care of. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm freed. So what I wanted to do now, I'm going to shift gears on you. Are you all right? I want to read this to you. I'm going to tell you this other story. Mm-mm-mm. I want to read, uh, this is a famous story in the Bible. Everybody knows It's the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, oh, Lord, this is a beautiful story. It says in, it's in Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. It says, Now it happened as they, as they went that he entered a village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She welcomed him into her house. I just want to paint a little quick picture of Martha. Martha had a gift of hospitality. She had a welcoming heart. She had a heart that I think that we're all searching for on the earth. So I, I just want to, first of all, just eliminate this negative view that Martha has been you know, pegged in the church as, as, not being, as being lesser than her sister Mary because she wasn't. She had this welcoming heart, this heart of hospitality where she welcomed the Lord. She welcomed him into the Lord. How many other houses did he walk by that he wasn't even welcomed? Amen. But she welcomed him and he responded. The Lord will respond to our welcoming gestures. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She was a little different than Martha. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha had a servant's heart. Martha was, uh, like I say, she had to get to hospitality. She, was, she liked to cook for people. You know, she just loved to do that. And I'm going to tell you something. There's something healing about a person like that that's willing to, to get behind the scenes, so to speak, while the Lord's ministering to people and provide for everybody there. Brings refreshments, brings snacks, bring this while the Lord does what He does. Okay, see, that's really how we really need to start thinking about, about Martha. She was a, a beautiful person, and she, she wound up being a very close friend of the Lord. Uh, but she was distracted also at the same time, and... Uh, with, with her serving, and she approached Jesus 
uh, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Have you ever been like that? I mean, how many pastors have you ever seen that yells at the church because nobody's helping them? (laughs) Seriously, I mean, they do that kind of stuff. I've done it, you know, but I don't want to do that kind of stuff no more. Or you're trying to do something, God's called you to do this, and nobody's helping me. You know, what's wrong with them, you know? I had a guy tell me that one time. I ran into him, and and I I knew him from the past, and he started listing people in our church that was not supporting what he was doing. What? And he said, what's wrong with them? That's what he said to me. I said, I don't know. You should call them and and ask them that question. I'd like to know that myself. Actually, there was nothing wrong with them. They just didn't feel called to to do what you were doing. I didn't want to say that to him, but... Uh, anyways, that's just human nature, right? All that's just what people do they're, when, they're, when they're not exactly in alignment with the heart of God. Uh, and, and she said, tell her to help me, Lord. Make them people do right, Lord. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. Uh, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part. Notice he said the good part. He didn't say the, that this is the best thing. He just said, this is what she's chosen. This is the good part for her. And so what we had to do in our life at some point, liberate people to choose the good part. Whatever the good part is from them, instead of saying, sitting at the feet of the Lord having, is, is better than serving the Lord. Well, it may be for the person sitting there, but how about the person serving? They, that may be their setting. I just want to get you to think about it a little bit different than the way it's always crammed down our throats to think which I think is wrong anyways. Uh, and this is not going to be taken away from her. All right, so this is what happened to me uh, in 1997. Okay? <laughs> this is old, okay? but this is really real in my life. In 1997, it was on Christmas morning. I woke up at 5.45 a.m., okay? and I remember all this just clear as a bell, uh, maybe because it was Christmas. And I had this dream that woke me up. And it was, it was a powerful dream. It was so powerful. I just woke wide open and grabbed my Bible like, is that in the Bible? <laughs> I knew it wasn't, but I was just hoping it possibly would. In the dream, I opened my Bible to Luke chapter 10. But instead of it being a regular page like that it really is on the Bible, it was like this green Christmas card looking page with gold writing and it said the story of Mary and Martha and it had those scriptures then it had at least three points and I heard the Lord say those are really important for you that was the end of the dream that's why I woke up and looked at it to see if it was there and then I lay back down on my bed thinking man that's, that's amazing and then the next thing I know my kids are like, Dad, get up. It's time to open presents. Get up. Get up. It was Christmas morning. And I woke up like, oh, my gosh. I had that dream. I got to write it down. And I couldn't remember what the points were. And I was furious at myself. I was like, you idiot. What is wrong with you? God gave you this dream. And I went back to sleep thinking about it. Now I can't remember. It was blank in my mind. And then... I had this assurance come on me that when you need it, you're going to know it. When you need it, you're going to know it. So I just like, yes, Lord, and went on about 
you know, doing Christmas with my family. And so, I don't know why recently the Lord began to speak to me about something that wasn't necessarily a part of this story. And I was just thinking about, like, well, you know, different places in the Bible where this shows up at. And one of the first places in my mind that came to was the story of Mary and Martha. And when I thought that, I realized at that moment, this is one of those points in the dream. And then I remember, then all of a sudden, I knew what the three points were sitting there. I was like, oh, that's just as clear as the day. You had to be dumb not to be able to see any of this. So I feel like it's really, for me at least, so let me just share what's important for me right now. And if there's one other person in this room, if this happened to be important for you, this would be a really good thing. And I'm just going to only be able to give you one point because I don't really want to do more than that because it's just too hard to, it's just too hard to do. Are you all right for me to give you this one point? And then I'll give you the other two later on at other, another time. Here's point number one. Passion, favor, and wisdom work together for success. Passion, favor, and wisdom work together for success. Now, I, I want to explain that a little bit. In 1997... I had a lot of passion about what I was doing, about being a pastor, a lot of passion about this church. I had a little bit of favor, but I had about zero wisdom. I'm I'm just being straight with you. I had so little wisdom, it was insane. And I was I was I was failing. I, I was I was not in a good place personally. I was not doing a good job with the church. It's just nothing was working in my life then because I did not have that one ingredient in my life that would enable me to be able to do what God had really called me to do. And so if you think about it, Jesus wasn't necessarily you know, challenging Martha about serving but being consumed with anxiety. That's what he was really going after. He wasn't admonishing her for being a servant. He was saying, you're consumed with anxiety. You're distracted. You're troubled. And the reason she was, because Martha was a picture of a person who had passion for what she was doing. Beautiful picture. And she is also a beautiful picture of a person who had favor on her. Well, here's the best favor ever. You got God in the flesh sitting in your living room. I mean, you don't get much more favor than that, that Jesus shows up in town and you happen to invite him and he happens like, yeah, I come. I mean, to me, that doesn't get, it, it, how can it get any better than that? I got God sitting over here, you know. I got the God, the creator of the universe sitting in my house. The problem was, she was so messed up, she didn't know what she had. Her anxiety has, had consumed her thinking, it consumed her heart to the point that she didn't know what she really had sitting right there. And so that's the way many Christians are. Many Christians, they, they have this awesome call. They have this awesome passion in their life. But they are, they're so messed up about their ministry and why everybody else ain't jumping into their boat with them. And now what they're trying to get God to do something for them and God's sitting right there, you know... I think a lot of people need to hear that. I needed to hear that then. I really need to hear that then. 
And she really had a passion for hospitality, but she, didn't, she just didn't have wisdom working in her life. And what a lot of people don't realize is wisdom. Let me read this Psalm, uh, Psalm 136, verse 5. It's talking about God. It says, this is what a lot of people don't understand about wisdom. We think wisdom is something mental. We think it's something. It's not. That's not what the Bible, the biblical wisdom is this. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. That's how God created is by wisdom. See, wisdom is a force, it's a power spiritually that enables you, it's a creative force that enables you to be able to do what God's called you to do. And when you don't have wisdom, it doesn't matter how much passion you have, it's not going to work for you. You're going to fail. You're going to continue to be in a mode of failure. You're going to continually be frustrated. You're going to continually be distracted. You're going to t- continually to be angry with people because they're not lining up with what you feel they should line up with. And so, you know, what God wants to release to people is God, you know, we got, there's people who've got a lot of passion and they got some favor on their life, but they, it's like they don't have no wisdom. I mean, they have zero wisdom. So they're making decisions. They're making choices to do things based on this passion that God has given them. And then they get into a mess with it. They get into a big mess with it. I was that person. And so you have this failure that comes into your life. You have failure. But God didn't help me. God gave me a dream. God gave me a call. And it didn't work. And so we get angry with God. We get upset with God. I'm talking to myself. I've walked down that road so many times, it's ridiculous. We want to push into things because we're driven by this passion. I got this dream, I got this call. And you start seeing this favor on I me. Mean, I've actually done stuff like that. God wants me to do this, and, and this is what I need for God to do for me to do it. And it would all line up. He'd do everything I thought he was. I, what I said to him, I need you to do this, this, and this. Oh, I got the green light. And then once I passed through that green light, guess what? It was a dead end there. There was nowhere to go because God wasn't over there for me yet. It's like, oh, you know, we haven't finished that road yet. You got here a little early. You know, I don't know what to tell you to do now. You can turn around and go back, or you can just sit here for a few years if you got a tent in your trunk. Listen to this. Uh, are y'all okay? This, I hope this is encouraging. It really is. Uh, this is what happened with Jesus. I just want to give you, he's the good example. Uh, Luke 2, 49 through 52. You know, this is when Jesus was a young boy, 12 years old. His family took him up to Jerusalem, to, you know, the religious capital of the world, for a feast. And so he was there, you know, and, this, and they left to go home, and they just assumed he was with relatives, is what the Bible says. And then after they were gone for a bit, they realized he wasn't with nobody. And so they had to turn around and go back. I mean, that would be an agonizing moment. For any parent, your 12-year-old son is not where you thought he was supposed to be. And you have no clue where he's at. You didn't know if robbers got him or he was killed along the way or he just got lost in Jerusalem. I mean, I could just imagine the agony they felt. 
And that's what they said. Don't you know we've been looking for you? I mean, they were just tore up. They were being parents. It was just an amazing thing how they responded at that moment. And then he's, you know, I guess, you know, even you have all these promises about your kids, prophetic promises, you know, all this amazing stuff happened, wise men showing up with gold and moving over here and people dying and your husband getting dreams about him. God's just leading every step of the way, but the truth is you're still a parent when it comes to your kids. The truth is when it comes to your kids, you love them. You're afraid for them. And you don't want bad things to happen to them because you're a human being. And that's what you are, and you need to be that. God doesn't condemn that, but he does have other answers. And he said to them, why did you look for me, or why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Ain't that a... That's just beautiful, isn't it? I must be about my father's. Not not I want to be. I must be. See, he was driven by by this passion. In fact, he said later when he was talking about the temple, zeal, zeal for for the house of God is consuming to me. It consumes my life. That's what Jesus was saying about himself. But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. I think the Lord is just used to people not understanding him. Aren't you one of those people who have it like, duh, what does that mean? You know, the Lord speaks to you like, what does that mean? You know, I don't, do y'all do that? Am I the only person in this room who's kind of like, I don't really understand this, Lord. That's just the way it is. Then he went down with them. Everybody say down. And came to Nazareth and was subject. Everybody say subject. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus, listen, listen. Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor of God and man. Think about it. Now, I'm not trying to say this for you. Twelve years old, burning with passion, burning with a calling, burning, 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 burning with destiny in his heart. Eighteen years later. Eighteen years. I'm not saying it's eighteen years for you or me. I'm just saying it's 18 and a half years for me because it was 18 and a half years when God gave me this dream. You see, he went down. What does it say? He grew in what? Wisdom. He grew in favor because he, as a son of God at 12 years old, didn't have the wisdom or didn't have the favor that he needed to be able to carry the mantle that he was going to carry when he turned 30 years old. That's exciting, isn't it? Y'all looking at me like, golly, am I discouraging you? Well, it may be 18 days for you or 18 hours. How about 18 hours? It's like the famous thing once. Becky and I had this young woman come over to our house and want to talk to us. She was 16, and I'll never forget this. She said, well, I've been, she wanted to talk to us about this problem she had. Okay? The problem was some boyfriend thing. Like, that's not a problem. Here's how you solve that problem. Dump him. And I've been waiting a really long time for God to speak to me about this. How long? Two weeks. I thought, you're crazy. I didn't say you're crazy. I just let, like, man, you should talk to her, Becky. I have no, nothing to say to somebody that two weeks waiting on God is a long time. You know, I've been waiting on God forever. You know? Well, everybody, it's all relative, right? For a 16-year-old waiting on God for two weeks about a boyfriend might be a long time. You know, 
But what I'm saying to you is Jesus allowed the, you know, he had these promises over his life. He had this calling over his life. And he allowed himself, he allowed God room and time in his life to work in him. Instead of jumping out there and pushing into something without having the wisdom and favor on his life that he really needed to be able to accomplish what he had really been called to do. And so when we don't, and so he did that. And so if he did that, then we should really consider ourselves. I think a lot of times when we have failure, it's because we've not allowed either, we've allowed our passion to drive us beyond what our wisdom and favor could carry us. You hear what I'm saying to you? I know this is not the most glorious message in the world and get you all fired up. Let's go do something. And No, I'm saying this. Let's go do something. Let's let God have his way in our life. Let's let God work in our life. Let's, do, let's, deal with, let's deal with this. When you have failure and when you have disappointment, let's deal with it. Okay? And let's face the facts that it may not be God's fault that you have failure and you had disappointment. Even though you can say, I did everything you told me to do, Lord. Well, you did everything your passion. Because, see, God doesn't tell you to do everything. Now, you, that this is the truth. Am I being some sort of lecture at y'all? <laughs> I feel kind of bad about this message. I, I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to lecture you and, and talk down to you. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. I've made choices. I've made decisions that I shouldn't have made. In the name of the Lord, because I had this calling to be a pastor, because I had this burning thing in me, and I wasn't allowing God to do the process in me. And I somehow convinced myself and worked myself around to be able to do things without allowing God to do what only God can do. And that's really what I want to encourage people about, because if you're not crowned with wisdom, if you only have passing, but you don't have that crown of wisdom and that crown of favor on you, you're going you're gonna to have some difficulties. And I want to try to help people not to be angry with God and God be frustrated with God because I'm going to tell you it was not God's fault. That song we were singing today, I can promise you there's people sitting in this room in their minds saying this, well, you have let me down. I promise you you have. First time I ever heard I thought, is that song right? <laughs> can, Lord, is that right? Now, I, I can tell you some specific times when you didn't come through for me. And this is the real answer from heaven. No, I didn't come through for you the way you wanted me to, the way you expected me to, but I came through for you. Now, you're standing here today. You ain't skinny. You didn't lose no weight. You got decent clothes on your body. You're driving a decent car. You got a decent house. And why are you thinking I didn't come through you? I left you hanging out there dry. How can that be? You see what I'm saying? We have this expectancy that God's going to do certain things because we have this call and we have this passion. But I'm here to tell you that's not the way it works. And I think that gets us in trouble. I'm here to tell you it's going to work when we allow God to take us through the process. What is that scripture in Hebrews 6.12? It says, don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherits the promises. Y'all hear that? The famous story, the famous quote Rick Joyner had, there ain't nobody going to a patience conference. <laughs> Let's do a patience conference. There's no patience move. There's a faith move. There's faith conference. But no, forget that patience thing. Well, I'm not in, inviting like, oh, I want God to work patience in me. I'm not doing that. I'm not stupid. But I am saying, Lord, I've been doing this I, on this thing alone for 18 and a half years. 
You know, I mean, I'm six months overdue. The way I look, when I was, I think, Lord, that was 18 and a half years ago. I'm already six months behind times. I should have already been moving into something. I'm a little slower than Jesus. I think God wants to accelerate people, though, where it wouldn't take you 18 and a half years. Don't use me as an example. I'm a bad example. All righty. That's point one. I'm telling you, that was really the Lord. And I wish I would have heard that 18 and a half years ago. I wish I would have heard it, and I wish I would have been broken enough. To submit, yeah, that's right. I wouldn't have heard it. You could have told me that. I could, the best preacher in the world could have preached this message, and I just thought, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I done did mine, you know. I'd have walked out just as arrogant and dumb as I was then, you know. <laughs> Unless the Holy Spirit just grabbed me by the throat and sl- body slammed me and wouldn't let me up off the floor until I submitted. <laughs> I have seen him do that occasionally, but, you know, usually he don't do that, but every once in a while he grabs somebody like that. Oh, are y'all okay? I'm fixing to be. I'm fixing to get through. I'm. I'm done. I'm just trying to think about how to do this because I really want people who feel disappointed. And he said it. He said it. You know, Thomas was so disappointed in the Lord, so disappointed. And I just feel like God just wants us to be done with that. I'm. I'm serious. And. So, anybody in here feel disappointed in the Lord this morning? Anybody brave enough to stand up and say, I've been disappointed in the Lord. I'm disappointed in the Lord right now. Anybody? Stand up if you're one of those people. Just stand. Don't don't be ashamed. If someone once said, uh, tell the truth and shame the devil. (laughs) Yeah. So, I want to pray over you because I believe God wants to, to help you. You're, you're the reason I gave this message. I didn't give it for everybody else. They already know. They already know or they are living in divine head in the sand. <laughs> like I have most of my prayer. I got my head. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm, no, you're not, Byron. You're not as good as you think. It's okay. We all go through times of disappointment. There's no, no shame in being disappointed. I love the way the... Luke 24 says, one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and those guys were, what's going on? Why are you so troubled? We were hoping. Just Jesus was just, we were hoping. We were hoping in something, and he's not who he said he was. At that moment, they didn't think he was the son of God. We were hoping. You could just feel it. When I read it, I can just feel the, the weight of disappointment in their words. The weight of them. We were hoping. And he's dead. And everybody's scared now. We were hoping. How many people feel like, oh, I was so hoping this was going to work out. And it didn't. And the Lord did something for those people. And I believe the Lord wants to do something for you. This morning, if you're standing up. So I just want to pray for you. And ask the Lord to do what only He can do for you. Father, I thank you today that even in our disappointments, you're still God. And even in our hurts, you're still God. And you, I feel, Lord, that that word wasn't just for me about fighting. 
for my honor, Lord, you're going to fight for all of our honors. And I think you want people to know that. That in their disappointment, you're fighting for them. And the Lord wants you to know he's not disappointed in you. Just That's first. Just know that Jesus is not disappointed in you. In fact, how many people in this room are disappointed when their children try to do something and fail? No, we just keep encouraging them, keep telling them to keep going. That's, that's what the Father is saying to you. If you've stumbled, he just get up. Come on, you can do this. I'm with you. I'm with you. Keep going, and we'll be together. We'll be, get, we'll be together for eternity because we did it for the glory of love. And that's what I want to encourage you to do is keep going for the glory of, of love. Keep, keep going ahead. Don't stop. Keep walking. Keep walking. Lord, take the disappointment away today, Lord. Lord, we want to submit to your, to your process. We don't do well at process, Lord. We do well at receiving promises, Lord. We do well when the promises starts coming true, Lord, but we do terrible in process. And what I see, Lord, these people stand, these are people who are in process. These are people who have promise and destiny on their life, Lord. And they find themselves disappointed because, because the destiny, the dream has died, perhaps. But, Lord, you resurrect dead dreams. And so, Lord, I just speak that over them. That Even the ones that are sitting here like, forget it. Just forget it. Don't resurrect the dream. I'd rather not mess with it. I know that feeling. I've been there. But the Lord's going to give you a new heart today and give you new dreams and give you a new view of your dreams. And God's going to take that disappointment off, off in you and He's going to really reveal Himself to you. He's going to cleanse you from all that. And that thing, that disappointment, just like He did with the, the men on the road to Emmaus, he's going to, he's, you're going to become enamored with the Lord, you're going to become like those guys were and, and listening to his heart. And it's, there's going to come a moment where you're going to say, No, Lord, stay with me, stay with me. I want what is happening in my life right now. I want what's happening. And, and God is going to break his word open to you. And your eyes are going to be just like he did. It says he broke the bread. This is amazing. He broke the bread and their eyes were open. He broke the bread. That's the word. He broke it. Suddenly things are going to happen. And your eyes are going to be open. And you're going to see everything different. You're going to see your disappointments different. You're going to see your life different. That's what God wants to do for people. And God wants uh, people to be able to see. You know that thing I was sharing at first about allowing God to try your heart because what happens is we get spiritual cataracts and we lose our ability to see. We stop seeing, we stop hearing, we stop connecting spiritually. And God wants to remove those spiritual cataracts off your heart so you can begin to see again and you can begin to hear again and begin to understand. So I just pray that over him, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're a good father. Lord, I bless these people, Lord. I bless every one of them. I bless these who are standing. I bless them for healing today. I bless them for renewal. Here's a word for you. Don't be planted in the past. Okay? Don't be planted. Because if you're planted in the past, you can't embrace your future that God has for you. That's one a big cause of disappointment is because we're so stuck with what was. Stuck with the past season or the past thing that was really good. Uh, God wants you to get it unplanted from the past and start living from, from what he has in front of you because your, your future is better than your past. Your fu- let me say that. Your future is better than your past. Um, this, 
I know when we're struggling, there's moments where our past actually seems like the best was behind us. Because that was a time, whatever was happening in your life, it was so good, and then that's over with, and there's nothing happening. You want to look back. But God is warning us, don't do that. Don't do that. If you do that, you can miss what he has for you. Don't plant yourself there. Plant yourself in God. Plant yourself in Christ. Plant yourself in what he has now. The word, you know, Jesus said, um, the words that I speak are spirit and life. The words I'm speaking, I'm speaking. Not what I spoke, but what I said now, what am I saying to you? So I pray that for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. I bless these people, Lord. I pray for life on them. I pray for abundance, Lord. I pray, Lord, for joy unspeakable to just flush through these hearts, God. Lord, I pray for the river of God just to wash all that stuff away. Lord, I pray for a revival of passion, revival of vision, revival of of joy, a revival, Lord. You'd move, Lord, like you've never moved before, Lord. Lord, that you'd bring a harvest in the earth. You'd put everybody in this room to work in the harvest. Everybody would have a heart for the things of God. We would have both that heart of Mary and those hands of Martha. We'd be going after some things, Lord. I just pray that over every person in this room in Jesus' name. I bless them and thank you. Amen and amen. Yeah. Lord's doing deep stuff today, isn't he? It's good. Thank you, Lord. So, ministry team, come on up. And if you feel like um, you want to just keep going with this process of what the Lord's doing, um, come up and, and get some, somebody to lay hands on you and pray for you. Also, Hannah, Hannah, can you come up here? How many of you guys know Hannah? Yeah. I don't know her that well, but I think she's pretty awesome. I think she's pretty awesome. So she's been to Bethel, and uh, God's been doing some nice things in her, and she feels like she has an an impartation um, to give. And... I like impartations from the Lord. So why don't you say something about what God's put in you, and then we'll, and then we'll just have some, just something short about what you feel like you know, God wants to do. And then we'll have whoever wants to come up, and you can pray for them. How's that? That's awesome. Okay. Hey. Are you holding the mic? Yeah, hold the mic. Okay. Um, <clears throat> while I was there, I really felt, and on the way to church today, whatever you've received give and naturally been on my heart for this this is how to steward well what we've been given by giving it to other people and I want it to grow in you guys and so really the time at Bethel was about encounter encountering the Lord and just seeing his and feeling his heart for you and it just it broke me and my dad who didn't even know what the Holy Spirit really was and before he came, he wasn't excited to go. And the next morning, he's like, I'm excited. These people are not crazy. They're just really excited about being Christian. And I really want to impart to you guys excitement for being Christians. Because what you guys have inside of you, the dreams and the passions, and there's favor inside of you. It just has to boil out. and has to come down from heaven even more. And so I just wanted to declare that over you guys. 
that the breakthrough, there's always going to be opposition right before the breakthrough. So you guys experiencing this backlash from the enemy, it's only because the breakthrough is coming. It's already been declared in heaven and he's trying to stop it. You know, the angel had to come. Um, it took him a few days to come to Elijah. And it came. <laughs> it's coming. And so I just want to release a passion and desire for you guys that you will actually see the king's eyes that are burning for you. All right, let's do this real quick. If you feel like you need a fresh touch of passion, anytime anybody like this goes and gets that, we need to get around that. Because some of us, we just get tired, right? And it's like we leak and, and... Life takes some stuff out of us. So if you, if that's resonating with you, stand up. I want you to do a mass prayer of impartation, right? And then, and then we're going to have people, if they feel like they want to come up to you, you can lay hands on them too. All right, so go for it. Release it. Okay. Jesus, <laughs> let your spirit fall in this place right now. May we feel you so strongly, Lord. When I walked into that room, I felt you more strongly than I've ever had. You're just reaffirming that you've always been there, God. That though we may not feel you as much, you're always there as strongly, God. And so I just pray that you fall and that you open our awareness for that, God. And you open the eyes of our hearts to see your love for us. That your fire is moving inside of us. That it's moving up through our spine. Sorry. It's moving up through our spines to the tip of our head, to the bottom of our feet, God, that we feel your fire flowing through us, God, that it boils to our hands and that we reach up and we say more, God. We reach out to the person next to us and we say more for them, God, that we will touch people and they will be healed, God, because it is you, Jesus, that wants it more than us. That is your river flowing through us, God. We want your revelation, the revelation you want for us and not our own revelation. We just don't even move the target. We lay it right in front of us and say, hit that target. You don't miss the mark. You don't sin, Lord. Mm. (laughs) This is you because I was afraid to do this. (laughs) So we just say faithfulness rise in this room. And we say a greater passion for you. We're not afraid to be crazy for you, Lord. We're not afraid to be weird for you, Lord. Lord, if you're afraid in this room for that, that means that's what he wants for you. If you're stressed and you're anxious about it, that's what he wants for you. So we just say your love will fall in this place, Lord. Your sweetness will fall in this place. And that we'll fall in love with you, Jesus. I pray that we have the same feelings for you as you have for you. Because you love you more than we can ever love you. So just give that back to us so we can release it back to you, God. Oh. (laughs) And we just release to our neighbors what we have been given. And that you will grow it even more and more as we overflow. Yeah. (laughs) So we just pray in expectancy, God, for you. We're not okay for not seeing anything happen. 
but we're okay with seeing something that we're not expecting to happen. Oh, <laughs> amen. Yeah, fresh wind blowing, huh? Woo! Fresh wind of hope. All right, well, you're free to go. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. But if you feel like you just got more to do with the Lord, come on up and get prayed for.